Hello and welcome to the Sincere Yogi Podcast, a podcast for yogis just like you who are seeking more from their yoga practice that you can't get in your average studio class. My name is Sarah and I'll be your host. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Sincere Yogi Podcast. We're sticking with our theme of season two where we discuss all things asana. Asana being the yoga postures, the third limb on the eight-limbed path of yoga. Now, if you don't know what the eight-limbed path is, I highly encourage you to go back to season one and listen to those episodes first, where we discuss the philosophies of the yoga practice. Now, in this episode, we're going to move on from our discussion of Ashtanga yoga and on to a discussion of Bikram yoga. Bikram yoga is quite possibly one of the most current controversial yoga practices that we see the controversy still unfolding today. That being said, in this episode, I want to stick to the methodology of Bikram yoga and what Bikram yoga is from a practice perspective. And then in a later episode, discuss the actions of Bikram Chowdhury, discuss the darker sides of that student-teacher relationship. I don't want to brush over the actions of Bikram Chowdhury as a teacher because they are just horrendous at the end of the day. At the same time, having these difficult conversations about the darker side of the student-teacher relationship needs to be a little bit more delicate. And I also want to ensure that the conversation is coming from a productive space. So we're going to talk about Bikram, Iyengar, Patabi Joyce, and maybe a few other teachers as well so that we can start to look at how teachers can abuse their position of power as a guru, as a teacher, as this figure, but Also, so that you know as a student some of the early warning signs, some of the early boundaries that will be tested and crossed so that you know what to look out for, so that you feel educated and empowered when you step into a new studio space or start to work with a new teacher. So I don't want to minimize the damage that any of these teachers have done by any means, but I do want to look at the postures, the methodology, the philosophy, and then talk about the teachers at a later date. So with that being said, we're going to discuss what Bikram yoga actually is. Now, if you ask any Bikram yoga practitioner, they will tell you that Bikram yoga is the truest form of hot yoga here in the West. In fact, when it was brought over by Bikram Chowdhury, I believe in the late 70s, early 80s, it was the first hot yoga practice. And hot is a bit of an understatement. If you've been to a hot yoga studio today, chances are it's not as hot as a Bikram room. Hot yoga and Bikram yoga are two different levels of heat. 
a typical hot yoga class is 98 degrees with 10 to 20% humidity max, at least at the hot yoga studios that I've taught at in the past. A Bikram yoga studio is 105 degrees with 40% humidity. The difference between a Bikram yoga class and a hot yoga class other than the heat and humidity, is that Bikram yoga is based off of Hatha yoga practices. So you're not doing sun salutations. You're not taking vinyasas to build all of this internal heat. While movement and yoga in general and the breath of yoga can bring that heat, you have that added element of the heat in the room to an extreme sense in a Bikram yoga class. Bikram yoga is also derived from hatha yoga practices, so you will be getting into postures and holding them for 30 to 90 seconds. Bikram yoga is similar to Ashtanga yoga in the sense that Bikram yoga is a set sequence of 26 postures, and you take each posture two times. So the first time you take a posture, you get the cues, you understand what you're doing in your body. And then the second time you take that posture, you hold it for a little longer, you go a little deeper, and you focus on your breath. There is a level of progression as well in Bikram yoga in the sense that even though it's a guided class, Unlike maybe a Mysore style class in Ashtanga, there's still ways that students can move further in a certain asana. There's deeper variations, deeper postures that can start to replace some of the more beginner-friendly postures in the Bikram yoga sequence. So the classes are led as are most modern-day yoga practices, meaning the teacher is going to be calling out the postures and giving you cues as the class moves together into each one of the asana. And with Bikram yoga, the teachers are trained so specifically that they're actually given a script that they need to follow in each Bikram yoga class. So this ensures the quality of the practice should stay the same. The methodology and the teaching of the practice should stay the same. And this means that if you go to a Bikram class in LA and then a Bikram class in New York the next day, you get that same experience and same level of practice. With that, the script is so specific that they even have allotted times to drink. And that's also because you're in 105 degrees at 40% humidity, breathing, and doing these asana. So there is a breath work as well that goes along with the Bikram practice. There's breath work in the beginning and in the end, if I remember correctly. I did go to a Bikram studio for a little while as at the time it was the only studio near me. And I do have to say, I did enjoy the tradition of the practice And this was also many years ago before it was really well known what was happening behind the scenes in terms of Bikram yoga. So I didn't have that sort of preconception going into anything. 
All I knew was that it was a hot Hatha yoga class. And when you go into your first Bikram class, you will also be advised a few things from your teacher. The first one is, at least in my experience, you had to have a bottle of water with you. You are instructed to drink water at certain times. It is extreme heat. You are putting your body through strenuous conditions. So you have to have your water. You're also instructed that If you feel like you are dizzy, if you feel like you need to catch your breath, if you feel like you're going to be sick, instead of leaving the room, sit down on your yoga mat, catch your breath, and join back in when you're ready. Now, some teachers will tell you this is to help build that acclimation to the heat, I also think some of it has to do with courtesy to the other students practicing because if you open up the door multiple times, you're letting a fresh gust of cold air in and that can be very distracting to the other students. Now, the studio I practiced at was not super strict on that, which I think is a good thing. Personally, as a student, I would rather have somebody leave the class and be sick outside so I don't have to smell it in a heated room over somebody trying to stick it out and potentially getting sick in the middle of class, right in the middle of the studio. But that's a personal preference, and I'm happy that the studio I went to was not very strict on that rule. Now, the breathwork in the beginning of class is also intended to help build your lung capacity and intended to help teach you how to properly breathe in your yoga asana, which is also helpful to build that stamina and that acclimation to the heat. So it is important to take that breath work somewhat. So it is important to take that breath work seriously. And a lot of studios will not let you into a Bikram class late because of that. And just because of the discipline of the Bikram tradition, as you can tell, it's already very, very disciplined. Something else that's interesting to note about Bikram yoga and the setup of the Bikram yoga studio, aside from the heat, is that when you walk into the studio, there will be a wall of mirrors at the front of the room and a small stage in which the teacher sits. That stage is intended for the teacher to demo postures so that you can see wherever you are in the room, but then the mirror is also used in the cues of yoga postures. There are certain postures like a dancer, for example, that you're asked to kick up your back foot so you can start to see your toes appearing behind your head in the mirror. There are certain postures where you're asked to gaze at your own reflection in the mirror. And this is very different methodology than other yoga practices because a lot of yoga practices will say no mirror and instead look at your body with your internal eye. The sensations you feel when your breath starts to click that you can build that proprioception or bodily awareness. Now I'm not a stickler about mirrors but I was always taught to not use mirrors in a studio or in a class. I personally will use a mirror when I'm at home and I'm just playing around on my mat or I'm figuring out a posture or I'm trying to figure out a posture. 
but I don't use a mirror in my personal practice, and a lot of studios follow that idea. However, a lot of hot yoga studios have a mirror at the front of the class, and I believe that's derived from the Bikram tradition. Now, I haven't really talked about Bikram for the reasons I stated, but Bikram yoga is still around today, despite Bikram's horrendous actions towards students and really breaking the boundaries in extreme ways in terms of that student-teacher relationship. And we're going to dive all into that in another episode. However, it's important to know that this practice is still alive and well today, While the traditional practice of Bikram yoga is 90 minutes and a traditional Bikram yoga studio would be called Bikram yoga, nowadays a lot of the teachers who found value in the practice have separated themselves from the name Bikram but still teach a variation of the Bikram yoga sequence. Now, the variation is typically condensed into 60 minutes. A lot of that has to deal with the time and modernizing the business of yoga, but also Bikram himself owns the name Bikram Yoga and owns the methodology, which also correlates to the position of power he was put in as the owner of this yoga practice. And that takes us into a whole other ethical debate beyond breaking the student-teacher boundaries. Now, in that regards, in order to become a Bikram yoga teacher, you had to be invited by your Bikram yoga studio or a highly thought of Bikram teacher to join one of Bikram's teacher trainings. A Bikram yoga teacher training was nine weeks long, and and typically the room was full of hundreds of students. Hundreds of students in 105 degrees and 40% humidity. You can only imagine how challenging some of the days on the mat would be. Not only were they physically challenging, but Bikram himself was said to be quite an interesting character as a teacher when it came to how he chose to sort of instill that discipline into his students. Oftentimes, students were not allowed to leave the room to go to the bathroom. They were not supposed to eat or drink before practice. Bikram would pick apart his students and call them names in practice, say they were fat or lazy, but do it in this sort of childlike way that his students describe as being one of a kind, like only Bikram himself could get away with saying these things to his students. But it was in that way that he pushed his students that a lot of his students started to come into their own and find their personal power, which is very interesting because when we look at this from an outside perspective, to have a teacher call you lazy or fat or shame you in any way on your yoga mat is not typical of what you see today and in fact can be considered quite abusive, which it does turn out Bikram himself did have many different abusive actions towards his students. I will say that this was not my experience in the Bikram yoga studio that I went to, and I'm very thankful for that. The teachers were all lovely. In fact, I had a day on my mat that I remember in the balancing sequence, I was falling out and I was 
physically showing my frustration on my face. And after class, the teacher asked me how my practice was, and we had a really good conversation about that frustration that came up on my mat. So even though Bikram himself was a very questionable teacher, there's a lot of value to the asana practice that he brought. The postures, as I said earlier, were derived from hatha yoga, and the intention or methodology of the postures focuses on deep compression and flexion, predominantly of the spine, but in the other major joints of the body as well. When you move through the extreme ranges of compression, extension, flexion, and you're going back and forth, it's almost like kneading a dough. You start to build that pliability in the muscles. You start to detoxify if the heat of the room wasn't detoxifying you already. You start to wring out any knots, working into the muscle tissue, working into the connective tissue and the organs to remove some of this stagnant energy, to remove some of those knots, whether they're physical or energetic. And when you release the posture and move into its counter posture, you're then opening that space back up, inviting that fresh blood, oxygen, and energy into the body, into those tissues and organs. Bikram yoga is not the only style of yoga that focuses on the compression, the flexion, the extension, and focuses on wringing out the body in that way. In fact, it's a very common approach to yoga asana as a whole. But the way that Bikram yoga is scripted, the way that the benefits are provided within each class, and the fact that the teacher is guiding you through and telling you this as you go is what makes Bikram yoga such a healing practice. And I say that very lightly. I do not want to claim that yoga heals you. However, we do know that the physical practice of yoga has physical benefits as well as mental and emotional benefits due to some of the tools and techniques used on your yoga mat. Now, the idea of yoga being a healing practice also invites the opportunity, unfortunately, for that negligence and abuse to occur as somebody in power, like a teacher who does not have your best intentions in mind, can in fact prey on you in that vulnerable state. And I hate to say it, it sounds horrible because it is horrible, and it's an unfortunate truth about the yoga community and the spiritual community as a whole, which is why we're dedicating an entire episode to it because I don't want to just reiterate the story and brush over it. I want it to be productive conversation. At the same time, these healing qualities are what have kept Bikram around, even with those teachers who have separated themselves from his name, but continue to teach a variation of his sequence under the name of Hot Yoga, or sometimes you'll hear it referred to as 26 times 2, because it's 26 postures taken two times, and there's breathwork in the beginning and end of class. Now, as with any other asana practice, all allegations aside against Bikram, there's still discrepancies as to how good Bikram really is for you because of the heat in the room, because of the repetitive nature, and 
every style of asana, every lineage is going to have its critiques. The biggest one of Bikram is that it's dogmatic. It the biggest one of Bikram is that it's dogmatic and it's extreme and the discipline of Bikram yoga can sometimes go against the practice of ahimsa. So similar to how Ashtanga yoga is not going to be everyone's favorite practice, Yin yoga is not going to be everyone's favorite practice, neither will Bikram yoga. I do think there are a lot of benefits to the sequence of Bikram yoga. For me, the heat was very extreme. My body doesn't do well in heat, but that's also because my body doesn't need the heat in order to be that mobile. Some people find the heat to be very detoxifying. I will say, originally living in Michigan, I loved going to hot classes in the dead of winter. So all of these different factors are going to play into whether or not you vibe with a certain style of yoga. But when you really break down all of the gimmicks, so to speak, of these practices, when you take away the heat in the room, when you take away the intensity of the postures or the deep variations of the postures, and you start to look into the sequencing, the purpose of sequencing, and the intention behind why you practice the asana, there's so much goodness that we can extract from these practices themselves and still pay respect to that knowledge that yoga has provided. That being said, I hope that this provides a little more information as to what Bikram yoga is. That way, if you want to try it, you can be as informed as possible before going in. While the heat might be a huge turnoff, while it might seem very disciplined and strict, it is a good practice for beginners to get into, mainly because we're not focused on the dynamic movements that a vinyasa or even an ashtanga class can get focused on. Instead, Bikram yoga still focuses on very foundational postures and you won't start moving into the deeper variations until you start to acclimate to the practice itself. So it can really help set up your foundation and your yoga practice if you are absolutely brand new. Now, the heat is a turnoff. It won't be for everyone. The dogmatic nature, the repeating of postures, it might bore you to death, and that's okay too. There's pros and cons to every practice, which I hope you've realized by now, as we've already discussed so many, but we're going to continue our discussion next week with vinyasa yoga, and this one I'm particularly excited for. And next week, we're going to continue this conversation with vinyasa yoga, which I'm particularly excited for because there's so many different styles of vinyasa yoga, and I think it might be the most popular practice in the West today. Of course, if you're interested in learning more about Bikram himself and you want to know some of the darker sides of Bikram yoga, you can watch that documentary. It's on Netflix. And there's another podcast called Yoga is Dead. It's a great podcast. They have a whole episode about how guru culture killed yoga. 
And like I said, we will be moving into that discussion at a later date, and we will be diving into the backstory of Bikram Yoga. We'll talk a little bit more about Iyengar and Patabi Joyce so that you can be as informed as possible when it comes to the student-teacher boundaries and relationship, and you can feel confident and empowered to take any yoga class, whether that be at a new studio or with a new teacher, knowing that you can set the firm boundary or walk away when needed. With that being said, thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the podcast, please give it a rating, download, subscribe, and I can't wait to talk to you next week all about vinyasa yoga. Thank you for joining me on the Sincere Yogi Podcast. If you want to deepen your yoga and meditation practice, check out my workshops and masterclasses on the Playbook app or join my guided meditation series on Insight Timer. If you just want to stop by, say hi, and see what's up, you can find me at The Sincere Yogi on Instagram.